Hello everyone and welcome back to The Griot with Debbie. Today I invite you to take a deep breath. Relax and close your eyes for a few moments. Imagine Jesus knocking at your front door and with these words he invites you to accompany him in his beautiful limousine. Come to me all you who are weary and burdened and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. He is extending an invitation for you to retreat from all the hustle and bustle of life so that you can spend some precious time with him. He is prepared to give you gifts that no amount of money could ever afford and is ready to set a peaceful tone for your life. All you have to do is accompany him. You enter the limo and you are immediately lavished with the luxuries of quietness that no spa could ever offer. It is far better than any Caldon, take me away moment. It's absolutely free and all you have to do is come. Doesn't this sound wonderful? Well, although there is no real limousine, Jesus is knocking at the door of your heart with his very same invitation. On this episode of The Griot, I would like to speak to you about something I call blessed quietness. The Bible states in 1 Peter 1.3 that through God's divine power, he has given us everything we need to live and be godly. And some of those everythings includes the divine gifts of quietness. What could be a better time than now for God to begin stirring those gifts into flame? I believe that we really do desire a meaningful quiet time, but we find ourselves extremely busy or so easily distracted by the cares and pleasures of our everyday lives that quietness ends up being the last thing on our agendas. Speaking of distractions, here's an amusing story that illustrates this point quite well. Annually, I hold, I did hold, hold an overnight fall retreat at my home for women and it was customary for us to walk while observing a time of quiet in the early morning hours on Saturday. On this one particular Saturday morning, we were quietly walking around the development, meditating on the blessings of God when two ladies got out of rank and wandered over to the premises of a, uh, it was a yard sale. And they began to look at the different items And since I was leading the entourage, I I looked back to see them taking a detour to this yard sale. I had to motion for them to get back on track and return to their God time. What a great illustration of how we can so easily become distracted when we are about being quiet before the Lord. Every now and then God has to make us lie down in green pastures all because he desires our undivided attention. But wouldn't it be more pleasant if we were to voluntarily practice quiet times? Wouldn't it be great if we would just run to meet Jesus in quietness? Why is it that we so often think of quiet time as something we have to do rather than something we look forward to doing? Why do we seem to have a greater desire to go to the phone instead of the throne? Is it perhaps that we lack a full understanding of the implications of quiet times in our daily lives? Well, I would like to spend a few minutes today speaking 
on the gifts of blessed quietness. If I were to ask you to define quietness, you would probably say something like this. Quietness is the absence of noise. Quietness is silence. Now, although you would be absolutely correct in defining quietness this way, it might surprise you that there is so much more to it than your definition could ever convey. I'm speaking of God's perspective on quietness because God's definition is not only rich in meaning, but also rich in benefits. Quietness, being still, settling down are foreign terms to the American lifestyle. And we, the body of Christ, are certainly no exception. Even in the pandemic, in this time of pandemic and quarantine, we, we struggle with a form of a, a spiritual ADD, even when we are doing good things for the advancement of God's kingdom. Try to imagine God's quietness being packaged as a large gift-wrapped box in which many smaller gifts are contained. Maybe on the outside of the box it will be marked the gift of quietness or blessed quietness. It is often when we make the decision to unwrap the larger gift that we are able to enjoy the other smaller but equally important gifts that are within that box. What special gifts can we expect as we unwrap God's wonderful box of quietness? Well, Isaiah 30, 15 states, In quietness and trust is your strength, but you would have none of it. Isaiah here is telling the people what God has said, that their strength could only be found in quietness and trust, but they refused to enter into his quietness. In fact, he goes on to say in verse 16, You said, No, we will flee on horses. Therefore, God said, You will flee. You said, we will ride off on swift horses. And God says, therefore, your pursuers will be swift. The Israelites were taking matters into their own hands, leaving no time to go before the Lord in quietness and no desire to rely on him to work on their behalf. So what is the biblical definition of quietness as used here in Isaiah 30, 15? Well, I did a search on this, a word search, and I found out that quietness comes from the Hebrew shalkat, which means repose, which means to be in or at quietness, to give quietness, to be at rest, to take rest, to settle down, and to be still. After studying this definition, I decided to investigate other scripture references that use the form of the word quietness or similar terms. And here are a few examples. Be still and know that I am God, Psalm 46.10. The word still is translated from the Hebrew word rapha, which means to mend, to cause to heal, physician, repair, make whole, to cease or stay. Wow, did you hear that? Did you hear that? Healing being made whole. We're talking spiritual medicine here. By the way, are you taking that spiritual medicine? Another familiar scripture, Isaiah 26, 3, one of my favorites, that will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee because he trusts in thee. This peace is from the Hebrew shalom, which means 
all is well, rest, safety, prosperity, good health, wholeness and wellness. And I always use this when I write, when I put things, when I used to be on Facebook and put things on there, I would say Shalom. It's so much more than peace. It means all those things like rest and safety and prosperity and good health and wholeness and wellness. All is well. We need that. We need that every day, especially with all this going on in our world. Samuel the prophet learned the importance of being still so that he could hear God speaking when he stated, Speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. Listening is translated in the Greek as hearing intelligently, to be discerning, to be obedient, and to consider. In Matthew 11:28:30, 30, Jesus extends us an invitation when he says, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Now in this scripture, there are two rests mentioned. He says, I will give you rest. And then he says, you will find rest for your souls. The first, I will give you rest, is translated to be refreshed. So God is saying, I will give you rest. I will refresh you. And who doesn't need that in today's times? We need our souls to be refreshed. We need God to hit that refresh button. We need them to be restored. And the second rest, when he says, you will find rest for your soul, is translated as intermission. Now, you know what an intermission is. You go to a movie as a long or play and you have a break. You have a chance to get up and refresh yourself, go to the restroom, get something to drink or whatever. And the intermission is a break. This scripture is a poignant picture, a poignant picture of a thoroughly exhausted saint to whom Jesus is extending an invitation of refreshment and intermission. We can clearly see that Jesus' primary motive is to set us up for a bless up through his incomparable package deal. Wow. So far, we can see that God wanted the Israelites and us to rest, to cease from activity, to listen to his instructions intelligently and to be made whole in the process. That's a lot. That's huge. Now, why am I, on earth am I sharing all these definitions with you? Well, whenever I mention quietness or quiet time, you will be able to get God's perspective on quietness, an abundant perspective, not just a limited one that we would have ourselves. Now, knowing all these good things God wants us to do in our quiet time, why do we continue to choose running over resting? And why do we avoid enclosure with God when Jesus, the Almighty God, the one true sovereign God, chose to be enclosed in Mary's womb? He chose to be enclosed in a manger, in a carpenter's home. He chose to be in, in you know, um, enclosed on an old rugged cross. He chose to be enclosed in a damp tomb. And then he chose to be enclosed in our hearts. And why aren't we running to be with God every day? Even in this pandemic and this quarantine time, we still aren't being quiet. We're being entertained by 
movies or whatever and we're getting frustrated and overwhelmed all the things that God wants for us in quietness like you talk about being refreshed having an intermission uh, being well whole we get frustrated because we're enclosed in our homes when Jesus chose to be enclosed in a womb in a tomb in a manger in a carpenter's home on an old rugged cross and in our hearts Psalm 103 2 states forget not all his benefits now look back on the previous days or weeks and acknowledge God for the ways in which he showed up through his grace mercy and goodness we can also thank him for his promises that we have experienced and those that are still to come a really wonderful way to do this is to keep a prayer journal I not only I used to keep a list of prayer requests in mind and I would write in the paragraph form how God has been moving in my life. This is a great way to keep up with those things and to see God's divine intervention. Now there are some blessings of quietness and I'd like to talk to you about some of them. The blessings of quietness, first we can come to God on the basis of 1 John 1 9 that states if we confess our sins he, God, is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. This part of quiet time is essential. It should never be rushed and may take more time than we may expect. I've talked about this in my previous podcast. Letting God really, really check you over. God may want to cleanse us in areas of sins of speech, attitudes, relationships, sins of omission and commission. And I want to... Um, add to this that there is a phrase in Isaiah that talks about passing under the rod and um, I wanted to know more about this so I did some research and I, uh, I, I love this book I have called The Shepherd Looks at Psalm 23 in that book the shepherd talks about this man was an actual shepherd and he talked about his experience as a shepherd you know and then relating it to, to Jesus being our shepherd and it's a beautifully, I mean, I was highlighting everything in this book. But one of the things he talked about is passing under the rod. And so I started to study that, really look into that and investigate what that meant. And what it meant was like the sheep, when the, the uh, shepherd would take the sheep out of the pen and he would take them to get water and he would take them up on the mountain so they can get the best grazing, the best grass. And um, along the way, you know, sometimes parasites would get on the sheep to and from the pen. And when they would enter in the pen, they would come in one by one. And he would put his rod, they would have to pass, he would put his rod out, and they, they, the sheep one by one would pass under his rod. And this was a process of, uh, this passing on the rod had many things, it, it told many things to the shepherd. First of all, the main thing is that he would check them for parasites, you know, that, that may have gotten on the sheep while they were out of the pen. And um, he would stop them and, and look through their fur and really, you know, look, check to see what, if they had any parasites that might have been causing them some grief. And he would pour, he would pour oil on them. He would, he would rid them of the parasites and pour oil on them and anoint them with oil. And um, he would also 
make sure they were his sheep, that they didn't get mixed up with other sheep when they passed under the rod. And really, the passing under the rod was a, a time of cleansing, a time of, you know, seeing things below the surface of their fur to see if they were okay. And so this term also means we can pass under his rod. When we, when we sit down and we're quiet and we let God see us stripped, looking through our us, looking through our hearts as that shepherd would check that sheep out. And then we sit down and let God see us and then repent, seek forgiveness and repent from those sins. It's a beautiful, poignant picture of God checking us out and we going before him and letting uh, letting him check us out. Quiet times also help to recover. Us, they help us to recover so that we can confidently go back into the ring of life and be victorious. Can you imagine how rough that would be if we had sin upon sin piled up on us and the struggles of the world and life and all piling up on us and we never took a, that time to have that time with the Lord and then we try to meet another day and another day and another day. We would probably go out of our minds and um, we need God to forgive us. We need God to help to let us pass under the rod so that we can face the next day or the rest of our day that day more victoriously. Regular times are times when God can impart practical wisdom for our day. Many times God has given me the most creative ideas of how to witness to others or something that's, that I'm not sure about or ideas of how to do something in my quiet times. And quiet times are not just in a room, but some of my quiet times would come when I took walks around my development. God would give me ideas for play or ideas of how to stage the play or costumes or things like that for the play. He would give me ideas. When I'm in the prayer closet, I keep a pen and paper index cards available to write down ideas that the Lord is giving me. And a lot of these ideas, these things, that this very um, podcast that I'm teaching now on quietness came in the quietness of my prayer closet. So many ideas, so many talks, so many, uh, the book that I wrote uh, would be in my periods of quietness. So they really can do a lot for us. Quiet times also can breed quiet times. Like they say, snow, you get snow, then snow breeds snow. Well, quiet times breed quiet times. When you begin to practice quietness, you will desire more time to be with the Lord. You'll need that time. You'll want that time. You'll make it a priority in your life. Quiet times also help us to be able to be to more effectively and productively minister to our spouses, our children, and others as God would have us to do. We don't always think about that, but when we go in quiet times, God shows us how we can be that better husband, that better wife, that better ch- child, um, whatever our situation is. Uh, God will show us. He'll show us things we're not doing quite right, things how we need to handle something, a conflict. It's, it's just a beautiful thing. We can leave a legacy of quietness to our children. This will be a part of our memorial stones as we build up the next generation for the cause of Christ. And I used to do that. I mentioned in my previous podcast with my grandchildren and even before that, my grand, my sons, when they were younger and I was a single parent, 
I would go in my room and be quiet and tell them that I'm in here having quiet time with the Lord. And I don't want you knocking on the door with a bunch of foolishness telling me, you know, he did this or he did that, and because they were known for doing that. Um, I, I wanted them to see how valuable that time was for me. And being a single parent, I needed that time. I needed to be in there. I needed God's strength and power to raise those sons. I needed help financially because I didn't have an, a lot of money. Um, and, and so those quiet times were my way to build up uh, wisdom, uh, to get ideas and help that I needed to get in order to be the mother and the person that I needed to be. And with my grandchildren, I did it. When they would come visit from Virginia in the summer, we would all have a quiet time. I would give them scripture to read and go talk about, and I would have a quiet time, and then they would come back at it when the timer went off, and we would gather in my room, and they would either sit on the floor or my bed, and I would sit in my chair, and we would discuss what we read. And it, it, it taught them the importance of having a time along with the Lord. And my grandchildren loved it. They loved doing it. We also can be blessed by having quiet time, but by learning to stand fast and not throw away our confidence or shrink back when the days become more and more evil. And they are very evil today in 2020. Quiet times enable us to be faithful until the Lord comes back. It gives us that, that strength to stand fast, to be immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing it's not in vain. It helps us not to quit, not to throw up our hands or throw in the towel and say, I give up. It help, helps us not to envy the wicked and the people who are doing all kinds of things and, not, and not, that we would not want to be like them, that we would come before the Lord and ask him to help us to be different, good different, to be um, fruit for others to pick from. And finally, and most importantly, we are able to protect and maintain our hearts. The enemy is continuously attacking us. In other words, Satan is out to get our hearts, the very place where our hope, confidence, peace, joy, courage, strength, power, and perseverance are found. He has sent out his war call, and we must answer it through our quiet times. In Proverbs 4.23, we are commanded to guard our hearts with all diligence. You know, prayer is war, and quiet time is war. You know, we, we, we're actually in there to prepare ourselves to fight. In John 10, 10, Jesus says, the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. In 1 Peter 5, 8, we are warned that Satan is prowling around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Satan is out to discourage us, and the only way we can have victory over him is to meet regularly with God, reading and memorizing scripture. There's a story that's told about a devil, about the devil, who decided to have a gar garage sale one day. And he took all his finest tools of deception and death. He priced and placed each on the driveway. They were each marked according to their value. There was hatred, envy, and jealousy all marked for sale. There was deceit, lust, lying, and pride with their appropriate price tags. But set over by itself, totally removed from all the other instruments, was an unassuming, plain-looking tool. It was quite worn, 
In fact, it was the most worn of all the tools, and yet it carried the highest price. A customer sauntered up and began browsing through the tools. He picked it up and looked it over and casually asked the devil, Say, what's the name of this tool? With a shrewd sneer, the devil boldly replied, Ah, my favorite tool. I know it well. That's the tool called called discouragement. Is that high price negotiable, the customer asked? No, absolutely not. That tool is more useful than any other tool that I have. When I use the tool of discouragement on a person's heart, I can pry it open so that that person, I can pry open that person's heart and then I can use all the other tools to get them. It is the key tool, my most strategic tool, and therefore comes at a very high price. Saints, if we are not practicing a regular quiet time, it is imperative that we begin for our heart is at stake. Satan uses busyness to keep us from the important part, the better part. Evaluate all the busyness in your life and whether it has eternal implications or not. Planning a regular quiet time is just as essential to your spiritual heart as regular checkups, EKGs, cholesterol counts are to your physical heart. Like it or not, Believe it or not, we, the body of Christ, are engaged in war and the enemy has targeted our hearts. Here's an acrostic for busyness. For the B is besides you unleashing S strife, Y you in never, E expected, S Satan, S still. So all together for busyness is besides unleashing strife you never expected. Satan steals. He steals our joy, the assurance of our salvation, peace, relationships, and the purpose for which God created us. Blessed quietness is likened to our cell phone chargers. You know, if we recharge the phone by connecting it to the battery charger, it must rest if it's being charged up and cannot function until it has abided with the charger. It is absolutely necessary for us to be charged regularly so that we may be properly equipped to endure and persevere in our Christian walk. If you do not know Christ, you cannot know the grace of this blessed quietness, this holy communion with God. To you, I give you Jesus, the greatest anytime gift ever. Although summer, this time of the year, can be one of the busiest times of the year, or any season really, except for usually not much in the winter, I think it's always, no matter what season it is, it's the perfect occasion for practicing God's quiet gifts. I hope you will make a new but simple choice, and that is to enter into your prayer closet and shutting the door behind you, dare to allow our Lord to lavish on on you refreshment, encouragement, healing, assurance, intermission, repose, stillness, confidence, rest, and wholeness. Afterwards, you will really be able to appreciate the benefits each gift provides when you descend the mountain and re-enter the madness of life. In doing so, while others are frantically running around, you will move about as if you have it all together. And you will, 
because you will have made the choice to experience God's amazing quiet gifts, his blessed quietness. 1 John 2.28 states, Dear children, abide in him so that when he appears, we may be confident and unashamed before him at his coming. Let us pray. Let's close in prayer. Precious Lord, I want to thank you for your rich perspective on quietness. Never one that I would think of quietness in my own finite mind. You have so much to give us if we would just settle down and let you recharge our batteries. During this uncertain and unusual season that we're in with the coronavirus and it's starting to spike again and with the all the tragic things that are going around in this country are dealing with racism and un- injustice and unrighteousness and evil, evil and wickedness. Help us to be still and know that you are God. Please let us practice quietness in such a way that those times will become welcomed, not only at this season in our lives, but also throughout all the other seasons of the year. I love you, O Lord, my strength. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. I hope you enjoyed this episode of uh, The Grio with Debbie. And I wish you well in your family. I love you. God be with you. And shalom. And as you think of that word shalom, think of it in a whole different way. Because it doesn't just mean peace. It is rich with meaning. And it is a word that we should use and use and use and use today's times. That and, you know, God be with you is always good. I like to say that to people, my sons, my family, and shalom to me. Those are powerful words that we can say to others, especially in these difficult times we live in. So God be with you, be at peace, and run to your prayer closet and get all that refreshment and intermission and all those other good blessings that we talked about today. So until the next episode of The Griot with Debbie, I bid you farewell. God be with you. Shalom.